Hey, it's Paul Purnell here from the RPG Empire. So I have a couple of quick announcements, really quick, hopefully. Uh, first of all, we absolutely adore you. We think you are amazing, and we really are so thankful that you listen to our podcast and that you're a part of our community. And that said, we want to invite you to our uh, Discord server where you can communicate with us. You can ask questions about the stories. You can submit your own fan art and we can all go like, oh my God, I can't believe they made it look so cool or whatever we say. And then also uh, you can, you know, ask questions about running games and how that all works. So definitely hop on over there and join the community more uh, actively. We would love to have you. Um, also, the best thing you can do to support the RPG Empire, besides sending us fat stacks of cash, which we'll always accept, you know, envelopes, you can just address it right to me, um, <laughs> is uh, if you tell a friend. So 100% the best way for a podcast to grow is for people to hear about it from people they trust like you. So I know you have at least one friend. And tomorrow, I want you to go and tell them about this podcast that you're listening to right now that you love so that we can continue to grow and uh, and just really grow as a community. So that's your mission. Uh, and the final last thing to, to just request and say is if you want to support the RPG Empire with actual dollars, the best way you can do that right now is to buy our book, The Dust World RPG PBTA Quick Start Guide. It's five bucks. It's in our uh, shop on therpgempire.com. It's a super light read. It's 30 pages of fantastic layout, great art, and it teaches you everything you need to know to play a Powered by the Apocalypse game if you've never done that. Uh, maybe not everything you know. It It's brief. It's a quick start guide. But uh, it also comes with the playbooks and all the reference sheets. So we would love for you to do that and then hop in the Discord and tell us what, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. We're going to continue to uh, work on that until it's completely done. It should be around 300 pages, include a bunch of awesome manga art because we're really inspired by manga and anime. And uh, that's about it. So uh, those three things, again, were join the Discord to tell a friend, or buy the Dust World book, or do all three. We really appreciate that you listen to the podcast and that you're part of our community, and we can't wait to talk to you more in the Discord. So with all of that said, I'm going to let you get back to the show. Have a good day. Last time on Dust World Neon City. Well, it, it probably means that you're like me. In what way? A clone? Yes, maybe we're brothers. Oh... I thought I was special. So much for that. Being a clone doesn't mean you're not special. Obviously, if you're able to escape the pits and do all that you've done, well... Hello! Well, that's disturbing my peace. What's that? And you turn and you see uh, a baby floating next to you and he looks down and he says it's so good to see you Clarence there is a floating baby next to me and it feels familiar are you me tell me you're not my past self hmm I don't believe I'm your past self okay you're just a creepy baby that's hanging around me no 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 I'm General Gerber one of my friends, a fellow soldier of mine, Franklin, he came into my 
medic stationy looking mighty strange and um well Franklin he uh he attacked me he went berserk like he was trying to bite my neck or something like that like some sort of vampire I uh I had to put him down he was gonna kill me whatever was on him which I would come to know as Grin this parasite it it latched onto me and now I'm its host you had some interesting information for us correct yes about this Icarus thing you should be very careful about opening the package because the punishment is a memory wipe to childhood Monday you get a text it's from Detective Hanzo and it says, we got your information. It was good. We put a tap on Rex and his people, and they are moving out tomorrow morning. You have 24 hours to retrieve Project Icarus. 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 Hello, I'm Paul Purnell, the DM of Dust World Neon City, an actual play podcast where we use a game, Dust World RPG, powered by the apocalypse, to tell an awesome narrative story. Roll the intro. Welcome to Neon City. It's crazy here. I'm telling you what. We got the smogs going to choke you out. Have our cars flying at 100 miles an hour. We got radioactive light of the spires cooking your brains. We got the cutters, the slices, the mechs. And look at this guy. We got the psychomancer, Clarence Wells. He's a pit fighter amnesiac with the power to crush you with his single thought. We got over here, Dr. Andrew Miller, the philanthropist doctor who's going to help you out. You just come to his door with your scraped knee. He gets you sorted. But secretly, he's got inside of him a parasite that wants to eat you. And over here, we got his right-hand man, Silent Monday. Dude don't talk, but he's got an LCD suit that pops up his thoughts with emojis and text. And he's got a sword that can cut through just about anything. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, well, then you're in the right place. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Dust World Neon City. So you guys got a message from Detective Hanzo, and he said you had 24 hours to try and retrieve or interfere with the Project Icarus delivery. You guys quickly woke up Miller and made it back to his apartment, which is pretty barren. Both Silent Monday and Miller live in here. I imagine it's two circular kind of rooms that that are like the living domicile, and then the other circular part is, I guess you guys would use it as the place where you eat food, but also the operation table. Uh, and then there's sort of a central circular room that is the entrance way, where there's like a kind of a place where you'd meet with people, clients, or whatever. Um, and then a final kind of circle, which is the bathroom. It's in between those three circular rooms. There's a I hate Tuesdays mug on the table. <laughs> Is it being shipped and we need to intercept the shipment or we need to break in there and get it? It has not currently been moved yet. It is in the pit still. Well, in uh, what do we call it? The chasm. Um, it's currently in the chasm still. So you guys can break in and try and get it there. Or you can come up with some other crazy plan and try and get it if you think you could follow the shipment somehow does doc have like a hologram projector in his room sure you guys have kind of 
general technology, you know, you've got ways to surf the internet and uh, your, uh, your medical bay is also equipped with a helpful AI um, to help you with medical stuff. Um, you know, all that sort of general affordable stuff. What I would like to do is get the AI started um, tracking shipping manifests in and out of Kleintech to try to think about where, what kind of truck they would use to transport this thing. Because um, in Miller's mind, they would want it to go unnoticed. So currently no. Project Icarus is in the care of Kaiser. He stole it from okay. Kleintech. Um he is working with the guild to which is what you've learned from uh, clear. He's working with Tannis from the guild to get this to the spires so that he can go like move to the spires. So we need to talk to. Um, so Kaiser, it's in Kaiser Rex's possession. Correct. Yes. In in the chasm, okay. which is the name of his casino. So Doc is looking at the uh, the schematics, the plans to the buildings of the Chasm, um, Kaiser Rex's casino. And, you know, he's trying to wrap his head around it and he stubs out a cigarette. Um, he says, um, guess I picked the wrong day to quit smoking. And he's going to give um, Hanzo a call. And he says to the other two, um, listen, I, I think we're in way over our heads here. Maybe Hanzo can give us some information that we, uh, we're just not seeing here. Okay. So you put Hanzo up on, you know, a big screen as you call him. Um, he picks up, uh, he's in a small kind of dingy office. It's got, you know, the, a really great cyberpunk aesthetic there's like light streaming in through blinds why the hell do people have blinds in the future who knows but it looks Venetian blinds really freaking yeah. cool right mm -hmm. uh there's smoke in here for who knows what reason also because it looks amazing uh hanzo is an older asian man uh he has some silver uh kind of like i guess salt and pepper he's got like the the reed richards silvering sideburns going on um he's got a small nicely trimmed goatee he is uh he's fairly like dark-skinned uh maybe almost like a polynesian-esque uh sort of tone to his skin sitting at his desk next to him there is a large katana which kind of seems odd um right away like it's obviously not a regular katana, like something about it. Uh, it has a lot of like technical looking things all over the handle and the, the sheath. Uh, his his chair is, you know, kind of like a wobbly, not great chair behind him. You see a board with all sorts of uh, pictures and like strings. And he's got kind of that, um, you know, obviously like trying to piece the puzzles together. He answers, ah, hello, Miller. Listen, Hanzo, we, we've taken your mission here. You know, it's almost a suicide mission at this point. You got to meet us halfway. You got to 
give us something, something somewhere in the chasm where this Project Icarus might be held, you know, what the vehicle looks like that's going to transport it to wherever the hell they're going to send it. You got to give us something, Hanzo. We're not going in there blind. I don't understand. We sent you in there to do reconnaissance. Did you not get information when you were in there? They got information. Ah, uh, who's this? I'm nobody. Um, that's my name, in fact, is nobody. Um, but, uh, although it's mostly on intent, we know that, uh, he's working with the octahedron. Shh, don't, don't say that out loud. Are you crazy? It's just a shape. Whatever. Um, so... Yes, apparently I can't talk about anything else right now. Hold on, hold on. And he starts like typing and you can see like kind of code going up at the top of the computer or like the monitor. Uh, And he's like, okay, our line is encrypted now. Fine, whatever. Um, Let's just say the uh, reconnaissance, there were complications. Several, in fact. And uh, don't worry about my associate here. He's going to be uh, helpful, isn't he? And aren't I being helpful? Yes. Thank you. That's beside the point. You're welcome. Well, so the information we have gotten from the line tap is that Rex has the package and he is planning to move it out with a guildsman called Tannis Blaine in the morning. We don't know much more than that, but I can assume that they will be heavily armed. They will also probably be in armored vehicles, and I can't imagine that they wouldn't go without an entourage of other vehicles for protection. Can I do total recall at the mention of Tannis Plant? Sure. All right. Although, you know, tricky proposition there, as we've seen today. So you hold one. All right. Um... Small detail that's helpful now, or whatever. That work? Something useful for now? Yes. Um, What kind of information are you trying to remember? Where does Tannis Blaine usually... Has Tannis Blaine seen this project, or knows where Kaiser Rex likes to store his stuff? So, yeah, as you hear the name Tannis Blaine... uh, you see clear next to you and he he's like kind of nodding along and I think for a moment you kind of like disengage with reality and engage with clear uh, and my assumption is you're asking him like hey do you know where this thing actually is do you know where this thing actually is oh yes let me show you and you kind of go into his memories and you see him and Tannis walking into the office. Um, kind of the, the wonderful suite that is uh, Kaiser Rex's office. Half of the, the building or half of the room kind of is open. Um, but you, you know that that's like holograms on that one side. And it basically looks like a skyline. This is like the view he wishes he had basically. Um, and you see him walk in and they are talking and as they do uh these three people walk in they all look really gruff uh and they 
they like walk over and they whisper something into Becker's ear, which is um, the kind of right hand man of Kaiser Rex. And then they walk over like with something in a huge case. Uh, It's like kind of like a Pelican case sort of situation, but like more high tech looking. And they uh, when they walk over to kind of this section of the wall, it's kind of a nice glass display for alcohol. And you see Kaiser reach his hand underneath, like press a button and it opens up the um, the refrigerator. And then he like does something in the refrigerator and closes it. And then that whole wall kind of pushes out and over and it reveals like a safe. And then he opens this like kind of six foot tall safe and he puts this case in there and then closes it. I know where it's held. Oh, excellent. Uh, It's in his office, which seems really obvious, but I know the steps involved. It's actually fairly rudimentary. I don't know why this guy ever thought he was going to be able to get into the spires. Doesn't have the intelligence for it. Hmm. Well, Monday, you think we can take care of this? Hey, I don't want to know any of the plan. I need plausible deniability. Of course. Thank you, Hanzo. Of course. Good luck. Yes. And he kind of like salutes you and the signal goes cold. Monday, you think we can handle this? Monday is going to kind of do a kind of shock kind of motion like we've handled worse. Yeah, I think we'll see about that. I think at at this point, um, Tuck comes out of the shower. He's wearing like a hand towel as if it's a normal towel wrapped around his waist. It's obviously too small. He's like, hey, uh, so uh, what's happening, buds? What are we doing here? Uh, Tuck. Tuck. A, put on some damn pants. B, more importantly, do you know any secret passages? To get into oh, hell Kaiser yeah, Rex's... I know some freaking secret pass. Oh, wait. L- let wh- me finish. Okay, let me sorry. finish. Also, oh, wow. that It's starting to drop. Please do something about that. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, okay, yep. okay, okay. okay. More, more importantly, more importantly, to Kaiser Rex's office. Hmm, secret pass. Oh, yeah, you you could go into, uh like, you know, behind his holograms. That's all, uh you know, like... Maintenance access. I like, you can't even s- see back there. There's like a hologram. People just walk back there all the time. I give Silent Monday a look like, hmm, holograms. Don't you do flashy things? I think in response to that, Monday is going to do a series of flashing patterns and a quick little dance and then a pose. And then he kind of shakes or nods yeah to him. You know, for someone that doesn't talk much, you sure are loud. I think we're beginning to start to have a little bit of a plan. Almost feels like we're the ones doing the stealing. I guess we are. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go steal some pants. I'll be right back. Monday's gonna toss him a pair and kind of shoot the other two a look like don't ask. <laughs> like what, what? You just happen to have a pair of pants like in your pocket. Um, We're along anyway. the lines of sometimes he keeps like the good stuff that was kind of bloody, but he cleans it up after these surgeries just in case. 
Nice. Yeah, he like puts it on and there's like some slash marks that have been like sewed up and he's like, Hey, it looks pretty cool. Oh, is this the distress style I've heard so much about? Okay. Um, I think actually when he picks up these pants, a small vial falls out of his pocket. It's uh, it's very small. It's kind of like one of those tiny vials you'd put like gold shavings in or something, but it's purple. So it's like about an inch circular vial with a black top and the, the solution in it is purple. Falls on the floor. Oh, hey, what what's this? And he picks it up. No, no, no. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and just take that. And you do not need anything to do with that. All right. Okay. And Doc, Doc uh, puts it away for now and puts it in a lock cabinet for later. Oh, is it medicine? Yeah, it's medicine. You know what? And it's real dangerous. And if you get the dosage just wrong, it will absolutely melt your organs. <laughs> Oh, good thing I didn't just drink it or something to melt my organs. Yeah. That would be terrible. You Could you imagine having a bowel movement and your organs are just coming out of your butt? That would be just awful. You know, medically speaking, I think you'd be actually quite dead. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad. You know, I would say, Tuck, in general, don't drink strange liquids unless you know that they won't melt your organs. Yeah, I guess that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I agree. So Doc is like, whew. <laughs> and he, he hides the crush uh, for later analysis. So as you guys continue to talk and formulate the plan, we cut away to a distant skyscraper. It's about five o'clock. So the rain machines and, and controlled weather patterns have started to cause a rain to downpour on top of this you know, 310th floor of this building. Uh, the wind is whipping around and we kind of pull in and we see three figures standing, looking down. And as the camera pulls around and sees what they're looking at, in front of them is the fall. And the fall is about a three mile wide hole in this one particular section of town. It's basically a section of town all by itself. And it goes down multiple miles. There are tons of hover cars coming in and out. There is a train system where the train cars are horizontal instead of like vertical that lift up and down almost like massive wide elevators. And as the camera pulls back, we see these three individuals. And these characters are who we'll call the rivals uh side note did we want to call these guys the midnight crew i really really like the midnight crew i'm okay with that okay the night shift i'm down uh, Ooh, the night shift the That's night shift hell yeah okay so as we pan back on these characters who will call the night shift my little surprise for you guys is you're going to play these characters. They are hired guns working for Kleintech to retrieve Kleintech's valuable stolen merchandise. And we will go ahead and make those characters right now. So we're going to cut away and we're going to build those characters. Uh, but what do you guys think about that idea? Oh, hell yeah, oh, yeah. man. That's awesome. <laughs> 
I'm always up for playing even more characters. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, so we'll be back in a couple minutes, and then we'll introduce these uh, new interesting complications. So we're back, and we're going to describe what these characters look like. So the rain continues to beat down, and first off, there is Hunter Kincaid. Hunter Kincaid, what, is, what does he look like? Okay, so Hunter Kincaid is a, uh, I'm going to say he's like in his 40s. He's got like gray, white hair and a permanent stubble. Um, Hunter Kincaid also has a, like a cyber eye that uh, kind of seems to glow with the red light. And he has, basically, he seems to be more machine than man. He is a cyborg. And he carries a ridiculous amount of guns on his person at all times. And seems to be always brooding. Nice. So next to him is Eric Ziggy Sigma. What does Ziggy look like? As the camera kind of pans over to him, you're going to see a very dark haired, very handsome young looking man with a top hat and a kind of black mask on his face. And as he takes a drag and kind of looks towards the camera, you'll see that he has golden eyes. And as the light kind of flickers for a sec, you can see a very wolfish grin extend suddenly forward and then vanish just as quickly. He is currently wearing a kind of purple and black, very foppish looking suit. He kind of gives off the impression of a dandy, like an old fashioned English dandy. Nice. And next to him is standing a woman Cliffa Kiglioska. Cliffa Kiglioska is uh, probably about six foot two um, and is dressed in this long black dress that goes down the floor. It looks like something from the 20s. And she's wearing a hat that's equally black and wide brimmed with a uh, red sash around it. She has very deep red lipstick on. Her uh, flesh is very pale and there's something very sinister about her eyes. But she has this perpetual smirk on her face and her hair goes down to her waist. Hello, players. It's Paul Purnell, the creative director of the RPG Empire and the keeper of Dust World RPG, as well as I play Lucas in Strangers in the Pines. I'm just here to let you know that we have just released a free one-page RPG called The Christmas Special. It's a game about playing Christmas movies, essentially. So if you love Christmas movies, you love The Grinch, you don't love Christmas, you can blast it. It's kind of up to you and the keeper whoever's running the game the dm so it's really simple you print it out you and your friends and you can create mayhem for christmas or you can save it it's up to you but we just released it so if you're interested in getting that just head on over to our website and click the download link so that's all for now i hope you are enjoying the show and we'll get on with it so back to the show play on So the three of you are looking down at the fall, talking over your plan. What is their plan? How do they how do they plan to get this 
box back that was stolen right from under their noses. We can have Hunter Kincaid like slamming his robot fist on the table and leaving like a dent in it. And he says, I say we go in there and just shoot up the place and take it right from Kaiser Rex's dirty hands. Now, 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 now Kincaid. Kincaid. Uh, you never want to go with my plan. Because that's hardly a plan. It's worked before. It's worked in the past. Well, we live in the future now, darling. I mean, really? The only reason those worked was because we had Kleintech taking care of our messes. That <sighs> also. I think that we need to sneak in wearing fabulous outfits and act as a rival... No, that's not going to work at all. Shit. You always say that. You know, it worked the one time, but... You know, I'll be damned if I have to wear high heels again. But I I did so enjoy watching you try. Oh, dear, Kincaid. You know I'll do anything for the mission. Anything. But uh, damn, it really didn't fucking work the second time. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, did, did you have any ideas? I mean, I was going to speak up, but I figured I'd let you do your little shit show there. <clears throat> Finally, get your fashion sense out of the way. Declaw your br uh, brain and all that. But, uh, <clears throat> I did happen to, uh, touch one of those fellows in the pit there. One of the high-looking fellas. Could, uh, turn into him and, uh, get myself in, you know? That's, that's literally my plan. That's, that's, that's just my plan. You're just, you're just trying to take control of my plan. I mean, um, well, maybe, maybe we can that. I mean, you can keep bitching about it, or we can get going. Your choice, lady. Mm, whatever. Fine. You'll sneak in, and then what will we do? Just walk, let you do your lycanthropic wonders? I mean, we hired you to get behind the uh, security there, and I do believe we hired you, he's gonna point over to uh, Tall, Dark, and Brooding, to uh, cover any uh, cyber security there. So... I do believe we have a good reason to uh, split our talent, so to speak. That's fair to me. Fine, but it's going to require all of us, and I'm looking at you, Ziggy, to do our duties perfectly, since you're putting yourself in such a position of prominence. I mean, I wouldn't care to. Honestly, if you could do this, I'd let you do it, but uh, I'm the one that Kleintech trusts the most out of the three of us. You two are just a couple of bums that they picked up off the streets from being frank and um once again in the same spot hunter slams his fist on the table and he says ziggy you know that's not true you know those are expensive to take the dents out of right with a a grunt of angsty rage um hunter kincaid um picks up the table and tosses it off the side <laughs> of the building Listen, I am hardly a toss-away. In fact, they would have let me walk away, but I was the one who decided to come back. Yeah, yeah, we're all impressed. So I would... I think Kleintech needs me more than I need Kleintech. Keep thinking that, Floozy. <clears throat> right, we need to get that box back, or, or it's our asses on the line, mate. 
damned if you didn't get out of the bed on the wrong side this morning. Right, well, I think we do have a functional plan then, don't we, darlings? I mean, I guess. There's always the fine details, but, uh, eh, who's counting, eh? Well, that's what we have this one for. And I, uh, pat, uh, Kincaid on the shoulder. And Kincaid, like, gives you a respectful nod and he does a sequence where he like cocks all of his guns oh jesus christ oh god okay all right i get it i get it i it was just a just a reference yes i'm just saying when this plan goes to crap i'll be ready damn right i'll be ready he's gonna kind of do a kind of do a respectful fist bump to uh hunter but before we go, I need to do my meditation app. Really helps me get in the zone before I go and zero people, you know? You do you, mate. Okay, darling. Uh, whatever you need to do. Does anyone want some chamomile tea? I just need to walk my pet. And a little bit of mist starts forming on the floor next to me. Nice. You two do what you gotta do. I'm gonna start reconnaissance. As you all continue to talk about your plan, the camera pans up and then further down towards the fall. I imagine we see Ziggy walking off, starting to head down to find a vehicle. And we cut back to our intrepid heroes, the crew. I don't know if I would call them heroes, but they are sitting around Miller's table and they've concocted quite the plan. And all the while, Tuck is finally dressed. So Doc is going to go back to this place as Doc. People wouldn't really recognize him because uh, his Austin Abilene outfit had so many uh, accoutrements and different things that he didn't, he, Doc normally doesn't wear, including a fake mustache. So um, Doc is just going to go as himself. Just kind of a... Uh, like a collared shirt and tie and maybe a, a long coat over it. Um, I'm going to get dressed in the puffiest jacket I can possibly have. Gonna put a little face guard over my mouth, little masks, and try and look as just as much as like some little Jawa as possible. Nice. That's kind of what you were already looking like in that blue puffy coat that Tuck always wears. I think But Tuck I'm somehow out- going to make it even puffier. Nice. Tuck comes out and he's dressed in like a uh, really nice, almost like tuxedo. Um, he's like, hey, I found one that fits. It looks pretty good, don't I? Huh? No one will recognize me anyway. I always wore that, that puffy blue jacket that you're wearing. So Monday's going to shoot him a thumbs up and the uh, nice, you know, with an exclamation point appears on his uh, visor. OK, so remind me, what is my job again? Uh, your job, Tuck, is to, uh, stay here and guard the chips. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Come on, man. I'm like, I'm very strong. I look at this face. I'm very good looking. I could at least cause like a distraction or punch a guy in the nuts or pick up a table and throw it out the window into the wall or whatever. 
Doc, well, you do realize listen. that you would be running the risk of being captured and put in basically, you know, servanthood again. Oh, shit. You're right. Uh, cool. I'll guard the chips. Uh, you guys, good luck. Uh, don't die and all that jazz. And he sits down and starts eating chips. <laughs> he says, Doc says, uh, there's beer in the fridge. Uh, just uh, don't make it. Be sure to use a coaster. All right. <laughs> on the on the metal table. You got it. Whatever you say, Doc. You know what? Just go nuts. But we'll use you next time when, you know, you're less recognizable. Okay. I mean, really, I shouldn't be going, but I am. I do have certain abilities. It's like you're like a main character or some shit, and I'm just some sort of side nobody. No, that's not true at all, Tuck. It's more that I can basically zap, burn, blow somebody's brains out, basically, of my mind, if necessary, and you can fling them in the wall. I mean, it's up to you, Tuck. It's up to you. No, no, I'm good. Eternal servitude was balls, so I'll stay here. You guys, good luck. No, I thought it was more cubes myself, but yes, let's go. Recap, what is you guys' actual plan? Oh, we don't have one. <laughs> I don't think we ever really... Uh, We're going to... Actually, yeah, we kind of do need Tuck because he's sneaking us through the hollow. He's sneaking us in through... Yeah, that's right. That's okay. Uh, he, he just draws you a map on a napkin. Okay. okay. It's got ships on it. Um, <laughs> It's got... Yeah, it's got orange little, Dorito... Little grease on Dor- that. Dorito powder. <laughs> a lot of grease. Um, All right. I believe we have something... We'll just sneak through the ducks and then sneak through the projection area and then we'll do a whole bunch of shenanigans and then we'll get the box and then we'll get caught and then our memories will be wiped and I will finally know if I'm a clone because I'll be back to childhood. I can know for certain. This is all working out very well. Okay. Uh, This one doesn't seem right in the head. Doc kind of like nods subtly to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of curious if Grin is being a bit more open since everyone kind of knows now. No, I think Grin was asleep when you told everybody. And I don't. I mean, he knows that you guys saw a gross thing go into his belly because he was the gross thing, but I don't think he's. I mean, worst comes to worst, he, he might try to, like, steal you guys' memories. <laughs> Damn it, Grin, where the hell are my keys? Yeah, I don't think, I think he's still, you know, Miller really wants him to be subtle. And uh, and so he's trying to play nice with all these monkey, these monkey people. Okay, so you guys head down. Uh, and hop in a hover car. Do you guys take your own vehicle or you Uber it again? I think it would probably be wise if we Ubered so that they don't get our plates. <laughs> I think Monday, while this is going on, is going to kind of just walk up to a random van and just kind of hotwire it on the spot. Oh, uh, you, you probably... Monday, you probably shouldn't do that. You know, people use those to get around. Oh, whatever. Come on. You already, you already hotwired it. Let's go. Yeah, he's kind of doing the whole doors are open and kind of ta-da, presenting it. Well, that's just plain unethical, but 
Are we actually heroes? It doesn't really feel like we're heroes here. I don't I don't think we're the bad guys, but I don't think we're exactly heroes either. Uh, n knowing what I know about you, yeah, you're definitely not a hero. I'll do my best, damn it. Monday's going to pop up. I didn't start as a hero. I'm slowly <laughs> getting there. Doc pats him on the back and says, I think you'll make it there, buddy. Nice. And then we hop in the, is it a, what kind of a car is it? Yeah, what kind it's of a car a van. is it? Basically kind of a, a nondescript black van with blacked out windows and maybe there's like a sweet flame paint job on the side. You guys pick up one of these vans and uh, it's a black van and it has like a silver dagger on the side. And you know that that belongs to a gang called the Slicers. They're known for cutting their victims up with knives, pot knives. So you drive off towards the fall. As you guys hop in the van and drive off towards the fall, uh, at the same time on the other side of town, a small uh, industrial delivery vehicle is moving down towards the fall as well. Behind the wheel is the Australian Ziggy, and nowhere to be seen, probably in the cargo bay, is Cliffa and Hunter. And as they continue to move down, now nightfall has come the rain continues to pelt down, the windshield wipers moving rapidly. From within the fall, a lot of hover vehicles are lifting up and egressing and moving to their destinations. So Ziggy brings his vehicle down to level 2713 and enters the catacombs that make up the fall. And as he's driving his vehicle around, another vehicle is entering the fall full of Clarence Wells Dr. Andrew Miller and Silent Monday. Who's driving? I'd say for comedy's sake, it would be Monday. Is Monday dressed up as El Tigre? Yes. El Tigre is driving, uh, Silent Monday dressed as El Tigre is driving this slicer drug delivery van. And as it's pulling into the catacombs, Monday notices not too far ahead of him is an insulated Kleintech industrial delivery vehicle. And it starts to pull around what he would assume to be the back of the casino. Where does Monday go? I'm going to say Monday, knowing where the kind of where the fighters tend to hang out, is going to try and slip in that way. Okay, so probably the, the fighters would all come in and out through the main door because they like getting that like attention. Uh, and then they walk in through the main door into that kind of back space, uh, which is through some like employee only doors. OK, to clarify how I think this will work out, uh, Monday disguises LT Gray is going to park in the alley next to one of the side doors he knows of. And he's going to enter through the front doing the whole song and dance posing, doing the dramatic, uh, you know, poses, the sound effects. And when he gets in, he's going to eventually get over to that side door and open it for the other two. Okay. Uh, I don't think it takes any effort. It just takes some time. While that's happening, let's cut over to the night shift. So the industrial delivery vehicle pulls up behind uh, the kitchen of the chasm into the loading dock. What's happening? All right, so we clear on the plan. 
Of course, crystal. There's water, mate. All right. And he, he cocks his gun again unnecessarily. Night shift. Let's go. I really need to think of a cooler thing to say before we start a mission. Damn it. So you guys are parked. Uh, you had your funny little sayings. What are you guys doing? Are you are you just going back into the kitchen? What's your plan here? Ziggy is going to walk up with Kiki kind of on his arm there as one of the uh, looking like one of the executives from the arena going to do the whole song and dance for, you know, walking in, acting like nothing, you know, he's he's rich, nothing matters and kind of just waltz on in there. And I get the feeling while this is going on, I'll let uh, Hunter describe how he's setting up for uh, electronic warfare. So what Hunter is going to try to do is he is going to try to infiltrate and get probably get to the same security room that Doc was um, like fumbling around trying to erase the security footage so that they can make their approach uh, without any issue. So can we maybe say that he's looking up at the cameras and he's using his cyber eye to try to disable them? How would you do that? Whenever he's walking around, he has like a heads up display. He has a move that uh, we took in. I took an advance from the grave doctor sheet that lets him use brains for clashing. He is um, kind of has a cyber enhanced mind that he uses to maybe hack into stuff and it gives him like tactical information and like all this kind of stuff. So um, nice. do you think that I could remotely hack um, using smarts or brains? Well, I could also say that he finds an access panel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We can just say that he knows where to look. He has the schematic of the building on his heads up display Mm -hmm. and he like ducks behind a, you know, like a cleverly disguised ventilation shaft and he pulls it open and it's a, it's got all this wires and stuff (laughs) and he's going to go ahead and try to take out the cameras in his sector so that he can sneak forward unabated because he's not exactly a, uh, he kind of stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I think that sounds really cool, but uh, in order to find that, I think you need to roll Survey Your Surroundings. Dang. 11. 11, okay. Okay. So on an 11, you can ask two questions. All right. We'll say what is of use or valuable to me and what here is not what it appears to be. Okay, so uh, of use and valuable to you, I think, you know, finding an access port to the cameras is definitely of use and valuable to you also or what is not what it appears to be yeah what you notice is as you're moving down this side alley you see a van parked here with a silver knife on the side of it and it looks like a slicer's delivery truck but you don't see any slicers nearby. And if it had goods in it, they would definitely be staked out. Uh, well, that's just strange. Um, he's going to go check it out. Okay. Um, something is amiss. Yeah. Inside of the truck, 
I think is still Clarence Wells and Doc Miller, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he comes up to the truck uh, and what it, what does he do? How does he check it out? He's not very subtle. He breaks the glass. He just punches <laughs> in the the driver's side window and looks inside. What do you guys do when someone breaks your window? I whoa, what the what the hell? I just stay deathly quiet. Miller blurts out. Well, who the hell are you? You're not slicers. What the hell are you doing here? Um, and then Doc is gonna try to bluff him. Do it. Nine. Um they ain't sure. You got you better prove it. Uh Miller says Hey, buddy, you need to help us out of here. The slicers, they got us uh they got us tied up here in the back. You gotta help us out, man. They're gonna kill us. I think in Miller's ear, he hears, Wait, if they've tied us up, why didn't you just ask me for help? Shh. Yeah, they got us tied up here in the back. Uh why don't you come and let us out? So we just, you know, we just hold our hands behind our backs and pretend like we're tied up. Doc says, help me out here. This guy's gigantic. Uh, yeah, I think, I feel like that that would be convincing enough. It looks like you guys are tied up. So Kin Kincaid is convinced. What does he do? That's your own damn problem. And he, he, he walks away. <laughs> he closes like, the door. Right, this is just, <laughs> yeah, he's just like business as usual. He's like, okay, so... He, the, in his mind, he's like, okay, this is not an unusual situation, and it's not really my problem. Not really my place to get involved. Love you know? it. That's hilarious. So, so, yeah, he goes back inside. He's like, all right, got to focus on the mission. Okay, so roll hack it, fix it, or wreck it uh, with a plus one. But while he's walking over there to do that, let's cut back inside uh, the car with Miller and Clarence. How do they react? Nice guy. Holy crap. Oh, crap. And that guy's going to be inside the chasm, too. We better warn Monday. Mm, maybe. I mean, the guy's just the dick, right? I don't know. Well, it's he just. Sure, well, I mean, yeah, but he looks dangerous. Well, I mean. Ooh, how about one of you. Rolls Rita Tell to figure out, you know, his jam. Fine, I'll Rita Tell. How can you constantly roll so poorly? I don't understand. It's Clarence, baby. Clarence is back and two better than ones. ever. You got two ones. You hear the sound of tires screeching to a halt right outside of your van. Oh, are, are we having more visitors? Oh, uh, crap. Who the hell is it this time? I don't know. I guess we'll go with the we're being killed by uh, the slicers again. Let's just uh, yeah, keep on that jam. Yeah. Um, do we got any kind of rope in here or anything? Oh, for God's sakes. I'm going to use telekinesis. Oh, that's my 14. <laughs> Very nice. So you have fine control over something and you use something to like kind of weakly tie you guys up. You still have two hold. 
use when you want to. Um, and with that, we're going to cut over to Silent Monday. Silent Monday, you are walking in, doing the fanfare, doing your whole thing. Uh, at the same time, uh, Cliffa, Kiglioska, and Ziggy walk in like a couple of executives. I think you probably would recognize Ziggy. Um, like, not that he's Ziggy, but that he's one of these random executives uh, that works for Kaiser. Um, what are you doing? You just doing your show thing? I'm going to say Monday's El Tigre is kind of getting into the bit a bit too much. Uh, he's doing the whole posing. He's doing the whole autographs, you know, the whole chanting and all that. And he isn't paying attention to where he's kind of, you know, doing his poses and all that. And he doesn't happen to notice the executive that he recognizes from before walking by. And he accidentally bumps into him. Oh, my. Careful, you insipid twit. Monday is going to kind of like jump up like uh, electricity's running through his body and kind of uh, look over uh, the word sorry kind of papering his uh, LED suit. Cliff uh, will just uh, raise her chin and look elsewhere like a hmm. You're upsetting my date. See to it that you don't do this again. Uh, Cliff kind of elbows um, Ziggy a little bit and whispers in his ear, you're overdoing it. Well, you haven't seen this guy, mate. Mm. No. Real tosser there. Thinks he's, he's hot shit, you know. We have a mission to do, dear. Right. You have fun with your fans. I'll be catching you later. He's going to be doing the eyes on you motion. <laughs> Cliff is just tugging him more and more like, <laughs> for God's sakes, you're getting way too into this. <laughs> okay, so uh, Cliff and... Ziggy, where are you guys heading? Okay, well, first and foremost, we're going to kind of... Well, we're trying to help uh, Hunter get into the security room, I think. And for that, we're going to need Cliffa's mist powers. So I guess once we're out of the limelight, Ziggy is going to shift back into his dark-haired human form. And I'm going to say since Kleintech was the one who put them up for this mission, they would have information on, like, the schematics of this building. Is that a fair assumption? Um, why don't you roll Tell of Legends? Here we go. You got 11. Right, so I tailed this guy, and I do believe that he, uh, made the rounds with security. Security room should be over here. Uh, unfortunately, they have these, uh, handy-dandy sensors that can pick up living things, you know? That's where you come in, love. Oh, is that where I come in? Fine. Let's get started then. Uh, at the same time, I think Silent Monday, uh, if you don't do anything else, you can totally make it out that side door right now. Is that your plan? Yeah, I think by this point, the uh, executive bumping into him kind of snapped him out of his whole uh, kind of starry-eyed uh, fancy into the realm of underground fighting. And he's going to kind of break off kind of and just uh, get the side door open. Did uh, running into those people, like, would he 
try to size him up at all, or he's just like, oh, crap, I'm look, I'm getting too noticeable or something. The latter, honestly, at this point, he's a little okay. flustered, uh, quite frankly, and kind of embarrassed that he got distracted. Nice. So, yeah, you make it out the side door with no problem. Um, <laughs> you go into the van to find uh, Miller and Clarence have both been tied up. So how's it going, guys? Uh, a little bit of a long story. No, I mean, we just like this. It makes us feel better. He's going to kind of glance up and notice the busted window. Yeah. And as you are, uh, are like, have opened this back door, Clarence and Miller behind him, you see that the vehicle you heard pull up is an actual slicer van and two slicers get out and they pull out basically like uh, these long daggers that are about a foot and a half long with a super hot monofilament edge on it. And they look at you guys and they're like, so you think you can steal off stuff and get away with it, huh? And the guy like flips his knife back and forth from hand to hand and starts moving towards you guys. You have to understand, we've been kidnapped by the Slicers. Please, free us! Oh, don't worry. We'll help you real good. Good, good, good. So that's it for this episode of Dust World Neon City. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to check out our mailing list and our website, therpgempire.com, where you can connect with us, get merch, and even download games. Talk to you.